Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20-some-odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Teach Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend, Michael Poli, watch one episode of Buffy Week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Season 4, Episode 13, The Unlucky 13, I and Team. Uh, I'm your host, Dennis St. John. Uh, we are joined today w- by uh, the scalpel himself, Doc Trav. Hey, everyone. And the Virgin, Michael Poli. Hi, I'm the Virgin. I've only seen up to Season 4, Episode 13, I and Team of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, John can't join us this week because he is immigrating to the UK. Uh, we hope to have him back next week. Uh, we're we're going to change our whole schedule to accommodate this new Brit. Um, <laughs> but we will be able to hear his lovely voice this week because he did our summary for us. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's dive into reactions. Audience reactions. Um, we have a heavy set of reactions this week because we're going to do it for both um, Doomed and A New Man. Um, so I'm going to start with, uh, Twitter reactions from, uh, Gil Cross. Uh, she says, um, re-spikes homophobic slurs and doomed as a Brit, not sure we'd consider them quaint. And as always, and, uh, also I've always had an issue with his pronunciations as I've never heard anyone say it the way he does. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, Do that was one of your... which slurs those uh, that we're talking about. I think it was, we were talking about him saying like poofter, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, totally. yeah, it doesn't sound that bad to us because we're American and it's not a thing we're used to. Um, and then I, I was like, yeah, I love his accent. And she goes, yeah, it took me so long to get over his terrible accent and just enjoy uh, his character. Remember, I uh, remember laughing at him and Drew so much during the first few episodes. So bad. <laughs> I can't tell the difference. <laughs> um, is, it, is it just because it's so over the top? If you could let us know, Gil, that would be amazing. Also, I'm pretty sure it's Jill, not Gil. Oh, you're right. Jill. There you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> My bad. Me too. Um, Rich uh, at Dingo Action says, raise a glass to the memory of Robin, Robin Sachs, who plays Ethan Rain. I didn't realize he had passed. Uh, he died in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah thanks for letting us know and uh jill also says uh re robin hood this may have been of interest and it's a link to this article about uh like a tr- the tree of the year in nottingham and sherwood forest um you should follow that link uh i was going to send it to john um since he'll be able to visit it in real life uh by the way I, do you use michael's your- the one we have to worry about michael's going to go to the uk now he's never going to return <laughs> he's the one obsessed with robin hood <laughs> All right, so you got to follow that link, Mike. Will do. And then follow your heart. Uh, uh, She says, uh, by the way, do you use your Facebook page? I left a review there as I don't use iTunes. Um, So thanks for letting us know about that because I didn't notice. I'm not active on the Facebook anymore. Uh, Somebody, uh, Mike, do you want to read the? uh, Sure, yeah. And I'm also less active on Facebook ever since the data theft um, with uh, Cambridge Analytica. 
So, uh, this amazing review from Jill. Buffy Virgin is my current favorite podcast, Smiley Face. When I started looking for a podcast about Buffy, I tried and gave up on several, but Buffy Virgin was right for me from the very beginning. I love the premise as someone who couldn't understand why anyone would watch it, and it's fun to hear Michael, <laughs> the titular virgin, make predictions of things to come. While some podcasts may be more slickly produced, the Buffy Virgin team are great to listen to. I love that the podcast core are long-term friends. They bring their own lives and experience in the episode reviews. Oh, and being a bit of a sci-fi geek, I also enjoy the occasional Star Trek references. This podcast takes me right back to my teenage years watching Buffy, but also makes me rethink how I feel about the episodes and characters. Looking forward to listening to more. Listening to more. Awesome. Thank you. And Jill, sorry that I screwed up your name earlier. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I screwed it up also. Yeah, and then I listened to him because I'm a dumb American. And I was like, oh, Dennis <laughs> is one of my best friends. He said it right. <laughs> no way Dennis could be wrong. No way. He's the host. He's got to have it figured out. Hostess with the mostest. <laughs> Um, that's a very sweet uh, review anyway uh, and Rose Louise um, says uh, and this was my favorite comment of the week <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed my iTunes review but I gotta be honest I didn't remember writing it until I heard this uh, <laughs> as I had just gotten surgery and it was very high at the time I stand by it I love the podcast and hate Cleveland great episode <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome all right, let's uh, move on to the summary. Uh, we got it provided by John this week. The Summary Buffy, Season 4, Episode 13. The Eye in Team. Thursday, 1700 hours. Agent Finn, codenamed Lilac, and civilian consultant Buffy Summers, codenamed Haltertop, engage in field tests. Agents Gates and Miller are injured. No fatalities. Thursday, 1900 hours. Civilians Rosenberg, Harris, and Jenkins engage in an illicit gambling activity. Civilian Harris announces his participation in an MLM focused on NSBs. That is to say, multi-level marketing focused on nutrition supplement bars. They're probably full of MSG. Friday, 1500 hours. Agent Lilac introduces consultant Haltertop to Initiative HQ via an OPM obvious penis metaphor. Friday, 1730 hours. The initiative squad attends local all-ages music club for some much-needed R&R. Civilian Rosenberg attempts to engage consultant Haltertop in personally relevant conversation, but Haltertop responds by spreading IEDs, insensitive emotional damages. Before R&R can commence, the squad is recalled to HQ ASAP. Friday, 1800 hours. The initiative squad is briefed on Project Kebab, Locate Sub-T-67119 and recover its freaky skewer arm. Consultant Haltertop is full of SHIT. That is to say, suspicious, heavily inquisitive talking. Friday, 1930 hours. Project Kebab is a success. Thanks to Lilac and Haltertop, who dispatched the demon with a super... weird... demon-killing-slash-sex montage. And all the sex was observed by Agent Lilac's CO? And he calls her mom. Hey, what? Saturday, 1300 hours. Professor Walsh and Lieutenant Igor decide that it's time for Haltertop to halt her breathing activities. Arming her with nothing more than a faulty weapon and a full magazine of lies, Haltertop is sent on a seek and die. However, Walsh's plan goes entirely foobar when Haltertop survives. What's worse, Agent Lilac turns a new shade of mauve when he discovers Mom's betrayal and immediately goes AWOL. EOS. End of summary. Wow. 
<laughs> so uh, many acronym gags. So great. Oh my god. Uh, that's great. So I think that's the full episode. We're good. We're done. Good job, John. Um, we miss you. We hope you're enjoying your new life without us. Um, why don't we move on to Great Lines? Great Lines. Uh, Mike, why don't you start? This one's from Willow. Love this moment. Everyone's getting spanked but me. <laughs> but if she says it's so like so quietly you can barely you barely register it it's very very cool yeah yes we've enjoyed spanking um i like this from uh buffy and willow uh how was your night like a normal person's uh and this is from xander um she's probably off living the life of riley uh i just thought that was clever what, what I, is the life i mean I, I know it's an expression but like it just means like a carefree life a life of fun and frivolity um, I've learned from uh, history that when people are named Riley, they really don't like you saying, how's the life of Riley? <laughs> They're like, yeah, I've heard that. Uh, so I don't want to be the, do the yes, whole one of this. So I'm just going to cut like into it. But Trav. why don't we do um, oh, okay. you and Trav uh, trading off. You can be Giles and Trav can be Spike. Ooh, against character type. Love it. No, no, I should be Giles. All right. right. All right. <laughs> Remind me, why should I help you? Because you do that. You're the good guy, goody good guys. You're the bloody freaking cavalry. You can come up with a better answer than that. Why should I help you? Oh, because I helped you when you turned you into a Fiari demon. I helped you, didn't I? Out of the evilness of your heart? Hell no. I made you pay me. You right bastard. <laughs> Dude, I don't know why that seems so funny. It's such a funny scene. Uh, they have so much they have like their scenes together are really good this episode like they're always good together they're like the two like friends who like shouldn't be friends but they just have insane chemistry yeah they're such an odd couple right oh, such an odd couple um so my quote is um they go buffy they're trying to get her to wear the fatigues and she goes about the fatigues i don't think so two private benjamin I've patrolled in this halter before. <laughs> Which uh, uh, John definitely picked up on that line for, yeah. for the summary. Yeah. What does Private Benjamin mean? It was a movie. It, okay. It's like a Goldie Hawn movie, yeah, right? Goldie Hawn movie. Oh. Uh, so my kill count. The kill count. One horny monster fight, uh, three dead demons, one death fake out, which fools nobody but Maggie Walsh, and one shish kebabbed Maggie Walsh. Uh, so let's move on to weird notices and trivia. Weird noticings. Oh yeah, just great prop work from Xander with the playing cards like to comedic effect. And that would have been such a hilarious scene to film in real life. Like, I bet they had to take 20 takes. I, it was just too funny. Like, the whole combination, it was hilarious. Yeah, I like that trio, you know? I think the Anya, Xander, Willow trio works really well. They're sad sack, but they got great interpersonal chemistry. It's hard for me to watch because I, I know how little Willow likes Anya, and I see it in her eyes and the way she plays it. 
It's such a weird grouping. Uh, yeah. So when um, Maggie Walsh and uh, lets uh, Buffy into the initiative, um, she has like her tough lectures, and she's like, "There's hell to pay." And down here, we mean that literally. And it's just like you don't mean it literally, and you're talking to somebody who has literally been to hell. And I was like, just a shit ton of hell experience, including jumping into a hell math like two weeks ago. Yeah, had a boyfriend who was in hell for however many hundreds of years. Yeah, sent a boyfriend to hell. Like, <laughs> like this, like, yeah, it tends to alternate dimension of hell. <laughs> no, and, and you can see that, yeah, because like Buffy totally is able to keep her sense of self, even despite the insanity of these lectures, because she's been through it, which yeah. is awesome about the Buffy character who doesn't like just immediately conform in every way. Uh, yeah, even won't like continue to look at the armory when she's supposed to, wanders off. Uh, Trav, what do you think about Maggie Walsh's accent? Maggie Walsh's accent is, just drives me bonkers. Like it, it's like, it's like from a totally different era. Like I'm just trying to explain this to other people who are not, if like, you're not American, you may not like in your mind hear it any differently. But this is like hearing someone from like the 1930s or 1940s. It's just very refined, very like, I mean, it's like a perfect stage actor almost voice. But it's not indigenous to any part of the United States as far as I can tell. It's not an East Coast or West Coast or a Midwest. It is literally its own thing. And maybe that's what Maggie Walsh just sounds like in real life. But um, it's, 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 it's almost like an upper class person's accent from like the 1930s or 1940s. I mean, it's, it's fun, but it's just like, whoa, it just drives me crazy. <laughs> well, I, I have a follow-up question to that. Is the actress who plays Maggie Welsh, is she a good actress, even? I don't know. Her, I'm looking her up now. She's Lindsay Kress. Uh, I don't mean, like, in her old catalog. I mean, in this episode or in, in Buffy, because, like, I feel like some of the lines she delivers wrong in this like there's some that are supposed to be funny like where it's like oh she's a hard ass and she's making a joke but she does it such like a hard ass delivery that the joke gets lost and it has like this b movie vibe yeah she's got weird directions it feels like because she she's like expressionless for this entire show and the only yeah the only time you really see her emote is when she's lying when it's like pretending buffy's buffy died in an accident accident right it, she just reminds me, her acting style reminds me of like early Spike acting, like just super big character wise, just like over the top. Anyway, I don't think she's a great actress. Uh, this episode, which she had, I think the most lines she's had in an episode, like the most presence, of course, and it's her last, which is like kind of a bummer. Cause like, I'm not sure I want like to confirm the, confirm my initial thoughts here. Like, is she good or not? And like, I guess I'm gonna have to side with no, just based on this being her last episode. Based on her Wikipedia, it sounds like, I mean, she's got a really long film career, um, but it sounds like it, in recent years, Krauss has concentrated on the theater. So maybe she's a good theater actress. Oh, maybe that's what Travis was kind of catching on. I was, that's what I was kind of picking up. Like the way her voice is, is really special. Whatever she's doing with her voice is really special to like an American um, ear but kind of like the rest of it is kind of not right in some ways. And I think maybe it's just the direction she was given. Yeah, I mean, she's from New York, so she has an American accent to begin with. So I don't know and what she, she's doing. Just, she doesn't have a classic New York accent. That's what I'm trying to explain. Yeah, no, it's like she's enunciating. 
Um, she was on Hill Street Blues, uh, CSI, Alias, Columbo, Criminal Minds, Law and Order, uh, ER, Millennium. Ooh. Let me guess. She plays a cop in all of the cop shows, right? She's Probably. Definitely a cop. Yeah, she's definitely got that cop presence. Uh, yeah, I don't really but, know her outside of this. But. but I bet this is the highest ranking position she's had on one of those shows, like in terms of character. Uh, yeah, I bet so. Okay, yeah, we don't have to investigate these like frivolous uh, one-offs. Uh, Mike, you got the next one? Yeah, I can't believe they got Spike when he's getting groceries. That made me so angry. <laughs> yeah. And I love the detail of his groceries also. He kind of lied and was like, my smokes and blood, but that looked like it was like regular groceries. Totally. <laughs> and his toast and tea and whatever else. Yeah, which if we had made if he had made it to the crypt, we could have seen if your prediction about him getting a refrigerator had come true. <laughs> he didn't make it in. He got all these groceries and didn't have a place to stash them. I know that's such a bummer to me. Of like, he has only he's only got three hundred bucks, and he just like lost like forty of it or more. <laughs> the, there's a lot to talk about, I guess, about the bronze scene. Um, I'd say uh, when Willow is wary of the initiative and Buffy joining it. Like, Buffy can't mentally separate talking about the initiative from talking about her boyfriend. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Definitely, you're right. Some shady biz. Yeah, it's just sad to see Buffy go. She's, like, so blind at the beginning of this episode to the initiative. I mean, she turns around, obviously, when they try to kill her. But it's just weird how she gets, like, she's in the, like, puppy love stage and, like, can't see... Yeah, and Buffy is like the one person who like should de facto question authority. Yeah. Because she was betrayed by the Watchers Council. She was betrayed by her high school teacher. Yeah, it's her jam. This question she was already. betrayed by the mayor. And I think that, well, that's three. That's like a plenty. And then, the, and then the initiative, like someone in a position, like she should just never trust anyone with like a, like a modicum of power. Like if any little bit of power, no. Not good. Yeah. And I also wanted to bring up that Willow's being so hesitant to bring up Tara. Like she almost brings her up and then backtracks. Um, so it's just stuff to observe. Yeah. Know. So why do you think that Willow doesn't bring up Tara? Like why? I mean, she, she clearly thinks that her relationship, like the gang getting together, the core gang is her, Buffy, Xander, and I guess Anya and Giles, whatever, I guess, but Giles isn't there. So it's kind of, Xander, Anya, Buffy, and like this—this this, all this stuff gives me PTSD about high school. Right. Like, oh, I'm who is the core gang, and then if you bring people in that don't belong and stuff, and the fact that Buffy brings so many people just shows like how like clueless she is about what this means, which is surprising because I think she has pretty strong emotional intelligence, except when she's in love. Like, yeah. like she's, <laughs> she she's, just... she's one of the worst humans. <laughs> Uh, just bungles yeah <laughs> oh man i get kind of ptsd because like this reminds me when you're young and like things like you can't you can't like integrate new people into your friendship circles we all had this where there was like three two people or three people and then some one of the one of your friends like made a new friend and wanted to bring them them along and it's like and you felt kind of resentful but as you get older you realize like that's like fine yeah. The world's not going to end. Plus, Buffy and Willow live together. It's not like they don't get enough one on one time. But, uh, but yeah, it's totally PTSD from like end of high school into college. And then 
course, after college, you know, all the friends that you presented that your friends brought along, they fall by the wayside anyways. So that's why you shouldn't really sweat it. <laughs> Don't worry, because in 20 years, you'll be making a podcast with your high school friends anyway. With your true friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those hangers on you resented, you're gone. <laughs> also, um, I think I think Willow knows. I think Willow Willow suspects that her. I think Willow at the at the bronze Willow suspects that her relationship with Anya is somewhat emotional or Anya or uh, Tara. Tara was going to be like an emotional or like a same sex relationship. I think she. I think she thinks that she isn't ready for it yet. But then of course she's pushed to that level because because um, Buffy kind of betrays her and then. She decides to take that risk the next day. So yeah. I, I just think she wasn't ready to say it because she wasn't quite 100% certain what it was. I don't think that she's afraid to admit to being in a same-sex relationship. I just didn't know if she was going to be in it. So much like someone didn't, if you have a crush on a guy or the opposite, you know, it's a typical crush. You may not say it. I think that's what happened with Willow in that, in that bronze scene. Mm. That's a good well, read. Well, knowing that Tara is going to be a future, you know, girlfriend of Willow, that makes sense that uh, she would be hesitant to bring it up because that would be so uncomfortable to like also introduce a new new uh, potential romantic partner to your friends. You want to totally control that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, not everyone wants to introduce a crush. I mean, she spent the night at Willa, at Tara's. So yeah, that, it's that, crazy to watch this. Since I think this is one of the few things we're not being ca- careful about spoilers about because like Mike already knew kind of about Willow. Like, it's crazy to watch this episode and think that like people at the time, like a large segment of the viewing audience didn't get that there was a sexual like component to this relationship. It's like, she spent the night, like they're doing like magic spells together. Like, <laughs> I don't know. How could you not read it that way? Right. Also, this is like, if you compare it to what's on television today and you, you all can watch the bull type if you want to see this, but uh, I mean like same sex relationships on TV today are like, extremely like normal and quick and it's there's not like episodes of there's not like six episodes that lead up to a same-sex relationship on tv now which is great which is which is which is progress i mean 100 percent progress in that department so it's just funny to look back and be like this was a groundbreaking show for this relationship and it took so long to even like admit that they were in a relation that they will be in a relationship like, yeah, sorry. This is our major. This is like probably our the series is only major spoiler we're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's like it's too weird to talk about it and not be like piecemeal. Yeah. What's going on there? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, well, you can just check that prediction uh, in this episode. Then I appreciate that when we get to predictions. You're welcome. You're welcome. And then um, so yeah, and then I say Willow's not good at refusing gifts. It's hard to refuse gifts, but um, I was like. If you refuse a gift, you want to make like a plan, like an alternate plan. But her gift, her like alternate plan was really vague when she refused the gift from Tara. You're like, we'll do magic later. It's like, don't give me like an indefinite thing like that. You know, if you're going to, that's not how you refuse a gift. I mean, it's such a sentimental thing. It's my grandma's. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Like, I, I agree with Mike. Like, it was like, it's very cute, but it's very like loving. But it's like like Tara's moving too quick, like right, like it's super inappropriate as a gift. Absolutely, 
the only way she could give that is without the context of it being her grandmother's like she can't you can't add the sentimentalness to it that is too much that's like the next thing i'll she'll do is you know ask to get married right like this is one week away from moving in getting engaged like shit too fast well think think about it i mean willow is technically like the most powerful witch tara's ever met and they kind of saved each other's lives the previous episode i mean in that context, and she's like the only real person at the, you know, the university because of that, that Wicca interest group is kind of, you know, weak sauce. Yeah, I mean, you do get the idea that, like, Terry doesn't know that many people. She's, I mean, yeah, it's like... It's just, I, it's, like, adorably it's, awkward. It's, it's like, yes. Homeschooled, probably. Yeah. Oh, man. Ooh, I wonder if that's a, you should do a prediction about that. But whether or not she's homeschooled? No, that's not going to come out. She definitely isn't, but like that's the vibe. But they wouldn't do that to a character. That would be too alienating to most of the audience of the show. It's being funny. All right, never mind. Didn't work. All right. <laughs> um, Mike, you got, I think we've already mentioned this a little bit. That uh, you yeah. must know. Um, when they're giving the presentation to the soldiers about the project they're working on, right? Like, hey guys, war room, and we can't damage the creature's arms. <laughs> And then Buffy's like, why not? Like, that is so awesome. I just, this, no, this completely unquestioning military group. And like, I, this. All dudes, no question. It must be all dudes. It seems like all dudes. Uh, It's just the whole like mind control backstory going on in this episode. I I wanted to explore that more. I'm sure we'll get to it. But like, that was, that's a laugh out loud moment for me. That was great. And it shot so well. She's wearing like a red or a brightly colored top. Like she literally is fluorescent. You know, like it is image wise, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. It's such a great sharp contrast. Uh, so then they get to the fight sex scene. Uh, just like, yep, sex and violence combined. Finally, into one. Uh, Buffy is finally getting what Faith's been talking about for like a full season. <laughs> I mean, that, um, yeah, I don't know. Do we want to talk about this crazy yeah. monster sex scene? It was so, it's it's super confusing when it starts because they're going on the monster hunt and then they kind of get the monster and then it's cutting back and cutting to Riley and Buffy, like, like back touching, kissing, getting into it. And then it's cutting back to the sex and the music is like uneasy, like, like it's not sure it's not giving strong emotional cues either way it's not like this is universally good this is universally bad it's just like you should feel uneasy about this uh fighting fucking thing that's happening and like it's i i i totally the shades of faith's like love and her relationship like that's they're absolutely enjoying both yeah. having sex killing mo- and killing is this murdering <laughs> Yeah, murdering, but with also with a team of other people around, right? It's not just the two of them fighting, right? There's other yeah. dudes there. They all disappear in the moment. It's just them and the Polgari. I mean, it, it, I never thought about this whole faith connection until you brought it up, Mike, but you got to wonder, like, how different would season three have been if Angel was not Buffy's boyfriend and that she could, like, have sex with somebody after fighting and then, like, Faith would totally not, gun, you know, she and Faith could have been real friends. You know, that's just crazy. It would have changed everything. Yeah. It's, it's a challenging, challenging scene. I don't know. Cause it sounds like, it seems like Buffy's finally found the person that she wants. And this 
this is like what she's wanted so badly to happen. And yeah, it hasn't happen- been able to even admit that this is what she's wanted for like years, right? And then it finally functions. And it's also like the cues, like this is the very first time she wakes up after sex and the, the guy is there in the room. Like the cues are like, everything's good. Everything's good now. This is like as functional as it gets. But let's be, let's be totally clear. The guy she wakes up with is staring wide eyed. <laughs> Okay, at the back of her head, okay? Not holding her, nothing like normal, straight up like like a cat watching like a squirrel outside, okay? Um, yeah, oh no, I'm not, me saying like, I think this is functioning and everything is like, I'm not turning episode by episode, like last episode I was against Riley, this episode I'm for him. I'm just saying this is functioning for her right now. Yeah. Monster fighting and fucking. Uh, so um, how much money do you guys think Xander lost on all those protein bars? He never seems to sell any. He's eating them constantly. It's such a good like running weird gag. I love during the surgery scene when you see both Anya and Xander just like it is a funny gag because it feels it's one of these multi-level marketing sales things that are really strange like like multi-level marketing for like insurance and uh, like for different banking thing kind of makes sense to me but like multi-level marketing for food like specialty foods and like you've seen these acacia based drinks that are like a thing for multi-level marketing when you go to a like when you go to like one of these you know, street fairs and there's like a booth set up with one of these things. I mean, just, it fit right in and it felt yeah. like, oh, this is a timeless problem. This multi-level <laughs> marketing for health food. Oh gosh. I love it. Yeah. Xander's trying to sell him like how an elementary school kid is trying to sell chocolate bars. He's not setting up a booth or like trying to sell directly to stories. He's like trying to do this on a case by case basis. Directly to his friends. Like he's the worst salesperson. Like you're burning every person i i feel like this happens sometimes when uh kickstarters come out you get hit up by someone yeah. and it's like a friend did you like this is the worst is on facebook when people just i assume just select all and then like message people and you're like i don't even know what this is i haven't talked to you in years <laughs> yep yep we all gotta yeah i'll gotta starter. yeah i'll gotta kick in we all gotta treat our friendships like marketing opportunities in the 21st century gig economy Totally. Everybody knows a social influencer. Uh, Trav, I like your next question. Oh, yeah. I mean, did it seem really sinister when he's like, has an alarm for vitamins? <laughs> yes. I would say like any, any outwardly insanely healthy young person who has to take vitamins is a red flag. There's, there's no reason to have to take vitamins for most men who are 22 years old. I also like uh I mean that's a funny suit like just that she's like what kind of vitamins he's like I don't know <laughs> we almost got to the idea that like he's supposed to be her TA right for the sociology class but like here he's just in the army yeah as far as we're true. his character was originally like he's a psych psych uh grad student he's supposed to be smart and inquisitive and now he's like I don't ask questions <laughs> As far as I can tell, he has no college degree of any kind. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's all been faked, right? I do like, like, when they're like. Really faked? It's, he's, he's like kind of intelligent, but he like, he's like really in the army, like, like really in the army. 
And, and did he Special join? forces, he says. Which it's also so weird when she's like, you're really not one for asking questions. He's like, nope, you do it. And she like looks at him with the like, with like love in her eyes. It's like, why isn't this a red flag for you? Like, like a uh, hating authority is your thing. So I said those squid face demons that we see are uh, different from the original squid face demon. Um, there's actually some really good demon costumes in this episode, the Polgari demon. Uh, I like these squid guys. I like the original squid guys better, but these guys look neat. And we can talk about Adam in a minute, I guess. I don't I don't know if we even yeah. Okay. We can talk about Adam in a minute, sir. Uh yeah, so is this is a maybe a question for the group, but do you think Walsh's attempted killing of Buffy is justified? Like when when you walk through Walsh's reasoning, like she's just inducted Buffy into the initiative, right? And then yes. like it seems like that same day then has a conversation, well, maybe the next day, it's unclear how many times the fighting and fucking happens because it's dreamy. <laughs> but like, then she's like, um, hey, I think Buffy has power over Riley and she knows about her secret project. We don't actually know that she knows. She thinks that she might know. Is that he, it? Walsh must have overheard, or not overheard, must have heard Buffy asking Riley, what's room 314? Well, right, because the, the phone rings right then. Like, that's like yeah. the funniest gag. Hey, Riley, have you heard of room 314? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Like, they, yeah, she she's watching totally it live. Yeah. yeah, she's watching live and is like, Riley, I need to see you right now. Yeah. <laughs> it does definitely seem like, like Walsh is treating this personally. Like, she's got that thing of she's having issues whether to call him Finn or Riley, right? Um, instead of, yeah, being like, well, we've inducted this person and maybe we can use them as an asset. It's like, I would say it's no. It's close to my boy. There's I would a lot say, of mother-son issues in this episode. A lot of like sexual issues between Riley and, and her as well. But I'm going to say no, Mike. It was not good to try to kill Buffy because there were a lot of other things that she could have done. Like she didn't try to control Buffy's mind with vitamins. She didn't like... She didn't even try to take like Buffy's best parts, you know, because Buffy's like a super, like like a monster. Buffy's like a monster, and so she should have tried to like take something of Buffy, you know, like not just kill her, but harvest her, like she did the other. Atomize her. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> it, and and that goes into my play with like it doesn't make sense that Maggie Walsh becomes you know shows that she's evil, tries to kill Buffy, and then she dies herself in the same episode because, actually, you know what. It would have been really cool to see Maggie Walsh and Buffy go toe to toe for a long time because yeah. we haven't yet had two a, a female villain in this show that's persisted at all, other than like an episode of the week. And and then if those two had still gone at it, we would have seen it would have been more more interesting because it's two humans fighting. One is a superhero, of course, and one isn't. And then Riley's. Riley, Riley could be manipulated because Walsh is still alive. But um, yeah, it seems like Maggie was rushed out of the show for some reason. Um, <laughs> maybe they didn't like her acting. Yeah, I don't, I don't I know. know. She didn't get along with people. Yeah, uh, I bet somebody, one of our viewers, can in reactions let us know about that. I, I would have expected more out of her and Giles because, like, that was an interesting rivalry. Yes, and it's yes, many like, rivalries. Yeah, and they never got to have that kiss. And Walsh is just like so toe-to-toe -to -toe with everybody. Like she's confrontational with every person, basically. And like 
she's admiring from a distance all these characters and it's like wow she'd be an interesting villain for her to turn you know against them in some way or like try and trap them or yeah make monsters out of them or whatever her plan is experiment with people there's so many directions she seems like a scientist she's not like the mayor who's just like a straight-up demon and that's where his strength and ideas and knowledge come from but also like the way she dies you know how bad of a scientist or leader are you that your creation that you made instantly kills you it really it's not even tied up right like that's the the monster's always tied down yeah they didn't uh they didn't do their you know slip the lever and wake it up moment yeah it's like it spoke itself up why does it why does anything i mean that's such a basic thing it's like why does any of her mind control plans work out you know that's someone who's like um it it doesn't it just doesn't make any sense right it's like someone who cooks like a five-star you know appetizer you know, a main entree, um, and then, or, and a dessert. And they're like, Oh, here, I, I made you a mixed drink. And it's just like, it's like uh, Red Bull and like, and like vodka. And it's like, hold on, this doesn't make any sense. Like you're like a chef. Like you understand like, like flavors and taste profiles and you want to like feed me some of the, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Like it's like nothing else really is. It's so, so it, it's right with filet mignon. I totally yeah. get what you're saying. It's a, it, it's a weird like, flavor here's, combo. Here's the, here's the sauce. It's, it's a Sprite butter sauce on this filet mignon. It's tart. <laughs> it's tangy. It's creamy. You're going to love it. It's like, what is happening? It's just like, I'm just tired of, of you know, the bad guy's going to be Adam. And it's just like, great. Another super powerful, all powerful, like, demon. Like, uh, yeah, it's like a season two demon. Or three, it's like the mayor. It's like, uh, yeah. I think he's most similar to uh, that iRobot Eugene Moloch, the corrupter. Yeah, robot. it's like, great, we've seen this before. A couple times, over several years. Oh. I, I think an actually good reason for Walsh to kill Buffy, and I think you just said this, Dennis, you know, was, you know, the mother, you know, mother-son relationship with Riley and that Buffy's a sexual rival. And so that's why she has to be eliminated. Like, I think if they leaned on that, that would have been crazy and totally accepting yeah. to me. And even then she's like so quick to say, oh, she's dead. So sorry. It's very important that Riley knows before we do anything, try and rescue her. It's important that Riley knows that she's dead. I also love she watches this murder on the screens out in public because apparently she doesn't have an office like in the initiative. Just these giant arcade cabinets that have all the vi- like the video screens. Dude, it's like when we had our like video game parties outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just like she like watches the murder and then looks around to make sure nobody watched, nobody saw it. Like this is such a weirdly run organization. Yeah, who it's watches also- the watchers? The surveillance <laughs> state, you know, this big open warehouse. Yeah, I say it's the other thing where it's like the first time the Buffy verse, not the first time, but one of the few times where like they use modern technology, which is like this high tech video camera, you know, like tech, you know, communication, like it's obviously like a cell phone and video camera all in one. And we had kind of that before. In Super that sophisticated technology and the pager, you know. <laughs> in like season three, we had them hunting, I think Buffy in like the prom episode. Oh it's yeah, like, Slayer Fest. Yeah, but, and it's like, it, and it's like, like the, the modern technology is, has crept into the Buffyverse. And that's kind of the thing I don't like about it because to me, the Buffyverse is really about the books, the history, what's the motivation, grab an ax. You know, it's not like, you know, it's, you know 
Although she the line that she says in season one, if the apocalypse comes, page me. And then she's like, I'm going to get, she's the whole pager, like <laughs> inconsistencies with the pager drives me crazy. But I'm just but saying, I think, like, but I, I think the show has always been about the modern, the modern age. It's been about contemporary time and about like the ancient stuff and the old books in contemporary time. So like, yeah, I just, but it's just Buffy shouldn't be the one using a laser gun. Right. Yeah. It should be like the villains using laser guns. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you got the last note note about the mommy. Oh sure, the Walsh monster killing her, killing Walsh, and then calling her mommy or whatever is totally unnecessary. And I it, thankfully it's the end of the episode because I would have turned it off. Like I just, <laughs> it was so cheesy. I, if I wasn't already watching this show, I would stop. Like I just couldn't. That's a that's a big mo a big like ending moment for you. Like yes, I don't I don't like monsters going mommy or whatever the shit like. <laughs> I know it's not that cheesy. The delivery's not that cheesy, but it's still just like, like in uh, Alien Resurrection when the giant alien hybrid like. Oh yeah, that's a great that's a great moment too. I, you're right. No, it, it's just like it's it's hard to bear watching this B movie crap happen when you really want the show to be good, and then it makes a couple dumb decisions, and you're like, oh come on, please. What do you what do you want to do here? You built up something different. I thought something smarter than this. It's like they work for 35 minutes, like, you know, doubling down in every hard bet. And then like at the end of it, they're like, well, let's put it all on, on 99 or something or some, I'm talking some sort of roulette, like analogy. Well, like, great. We worked really hard for 30 for, you know, hours and like, let's just, let's just all gamble it and lose it all. Well, it's just, they built up this interesting story world with the yeah. military yeah. versus, you know, Buffy's ragtag crew of monster hunters. And now instead of it being about like, you know, maybe someone's organized versus disorganized, professional versus amateur. It's like, oh, it's just Monster of the Week again, and Buffy's going to clean it up. And, like, it's just monster takeover. Because, like, I guess with any of these horror films, that's kind of the magical formula. You can build up anything and then just have the monster take over, and then we have got to deal with the monster. Well, this, well, we don't know what's going to happen. This sounds like predictions to me. Okay, I'll stop then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, why don't we do, move on to questions for the group. Questions for the group. We don't really have to answer this one, but I ask, is working with your significant other really a job perk? Um, just Buffy seems to think it is, at least the beginning of this episode. Uh, well, I, I currently work with my wife. We work at the same place. I don't know if you're directing this at me specifically, which is fine. Uh, I didn't mean to, but I after I wrote it, I was like, oh, somebody actually <laughs> might have an answer for this. And I've worked with my wife now for more than three years, like three and a half wow. years at the same place. And it is a perk a lot of the time, and then it's bad. The perk part is we commute together. Uh, so we're on the same schedule. We know all the same work stuff. So uh, I never feel like I'm bo- bo- like bothering my you know, wife by talking about stuff at work because I know she's interested because <laughs> it's her work too. Uh, but it's like, you can also not stop talking about work sometimes. If something bothers right. you about work, you're going to talk about it forever. And that is the worst part. Uh, I, I don't know. How does Buffy see it as a perk? Well, it leads to the fighting and fucking. So I get that. Um. Yeah. But it was weird when she said that. I was like, "Wasn't that part of the problem you had with Angel? Like, 
have you forgotten about Angel? About like why you didn't want to date somebody who fought monsters? I don't yeah. think she knows what she wants. Uh, so let's move on to what the real question, what the best question for the group is for the week. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah, the best question is, uh, Buffy gets a pager. Can we spend a minute talking about how amazing it was to own a pager? <laughs> we should do a poll of who had pagers. I didn't. I, I mostly, when I think of pagers, I think about Mike's pager. Mike had one and I had one too. And some of our other friends had pagers. Oh, and then I had a pager as a doctor. And then you were a doctor. <laughs> <Not> so <laughs> Sounds like a really serious, like, professional pager. <laughs> I mean, it's so, weird to have a device like a pager. Oh, go ahead, Dennis. Sorry. I was just going to ask, as somebody who never had a pager, what are you guys um, remembering so amazing about it? What, what like, uh, nostalgia do you feel about it? Uh, there was a certain sense of anxiety that you get having a pager that's hard to remember because having a pager is like you it's like getting a page is like having a missed call that might be really important and just this omnipresent feeling of anxiety because like someone tried to reach you but they didn't say anything they just have a missed call from you have a missed call from them that tells you to go do something so it's kind of like this anxiety inducing thing because you are can you have to do something. You have to go then to a payphone with a calling card or whatever and call someone. So it's like a task maker, which is, it's just fucking annoying. Uh, versus having a phone, like currently, it basically functions as a pager in that we collect missed calls, but we're in this world right now where there's so many phone calls coming in. Like they say by next year, 50% of all phone calls will be robocalls. So it's just like, they're all garbage and you can ignore them. Yeah. With pager, it's like, I, I don't recall getting ads paged. It would just be personal stuff paged. And then like, you know, you could no, not really judge the importance of anything. Everything um, was potentially an emergency. Yeah, and it this wasn't a sound like, dealer. This doesn't sound amazing to me. No, I was being sarcastic. Sorry. <laughs> well, I liked having a pager recently because it reminded me of my youth. Although the pager was like a work pager, and like it was definitely important. <laughs> I mean, everything Michael said, like turn that up to a ten or eleven. You know, when it's like work paging and stuff, it's like. You've got to get it done. I mean, the nice thing is it's not a phone ringing, which is like, you know, is like pulling at your soul. Like I got to answer this phone. It's a pager. And like, there's still like a lot of people will say the thing they hate most about like the, like the sound they will hate forever is the sound of their pager. There's like other, other uh, residents or doctors will be like, there's one thing I truly hate. It's that pager. And they would take a cell phone ringing outside of a pager. So, you know, it takes, it takes all kinds. It, it was, it's like a fun anachronistic technology now. Um, so it, like when I had it during my residency, it was really like nostalgic. So I was like, this is awesome. Because also it's, we, it's like weird. You, you never really plug it in. You just kind of change the batteries sometimes. It's always like on. Um, and, and like it only accepts things. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like really, compared to what, everything you can do now, it's fine. It like it would be better to have one now, to be honest, because if you could get a pager number that was unlisted and then just have like get calls from there and then you know to call someone, as it is, I just get all these missed calls from bullshit. Right. And I think that's why like when you, you know, uh, yeah. you don't even call now because everyone like calling is like the old pager like you didn't no one likes getting a phone call because it's like 
when you live outside the area code of uh, your cell phone, like you can always tell when it's like, for me, because I have an Indiana number still, like when I get a call from an 812 number, I'm like, this is spam. Like I just know it immediately. Yeah. I imagine it's more stressful like when you live in the area where you're, live in the area code when your phone's from, and it could always be somebody. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, all right, sorry. Uh, Mike, you got the next question. Oh, sure. So would you be friends with Anya? Uh, I don't know if Anya would be friends with me. I feel like she'd be mean, mean very cruel to me. Uh, but I would, I would try to be friends with Anya. I like Anya. I would definitely be friends with Anya because, like, as a kid, I was, like, very no-nonsense. And, like, Anya is like super, no, I mean, she's like me, like times a billion, like no nonsense. Like she says what she wants, she does what she wants. She's not, she's really pretty, not, not insane or like a bad person. It's just like no filter. And I'd be like, this is pretty easy to be her friend. You just like, just gotta like, you know, tolerate if she says something kind of crazy. I like her, I like her. Yeah, I think, yeah. I like honest people. I think it would be good. All right, Mike. Um, does Adam look better than the Bride of Frankenstein in season two, episode one? Um, and which motivation do you like for making a monster person that episode or this episode? I think it's season two, episode two, right? Episode two then. Some yeah. assembly required. Yeah, episode two, yeah. I, I, they both look weird. Hmm. I'm gonna to have to look up the Bride of Frankenstein one. It's, why is it? Why is it Bride? It's well, because they because they're making. Remember, it's the Bride is really the one where the bunch of girls died. Yeah, but then, we never see that one. We just see like the. We sheep. see. We see her kind of, and we know it's going to be Cordelia's head. I feel like we've seen it on a table a little bit. We just see the silhouette and the pointy boobs. I don't think we see like the body, but we see the football Frankenstein guy. We see his face, but he's not really all sutured up, is he? I mean, he's got the big scars across his head. But he's, he's, got not, some, he's got some scars. I thought we saw more from the, from the bride. I don't think we ever really see that. Well, I can't, I can't quickly pull up a picture, but well, I which, remember well, then, it being bad, so it must have been pretty good. Well, then, which, which, which motivation do you like better? Because like, that's, that's basically the other difference. Like, do you like making a monster super soldier? Is that more fun? Or do you like the, my, you know, bride of Frankenstein? Like, you know, monster for my, for my brother here. Who's I, the monster, monster for my brother is a weirder, more interesting motivation than the super soldier yeah. motivation. It's, it's like, personal. I, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like assembling it from the best parts to make the best possible girlfriend uh, versus, versus the toughest fighter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what it right. sounds like Walsh was making a tough fighter, but you were never, it wasn't like for Walsh to take over the world. It was like, she's making a tough fighter because that was her job. You know, it's like, you're never going to be as inspired when you're doing something as a job than you are than for your personal I think it's more than a job to Walsh. I think this is pretty important. Yeah, we don't know Walsh's motivations. If she was, we got, we got something to learn, man. We got episode. We got we got future episodes to find out more about this. If, if this was Walsh's like real like passion, she would have been better at her job. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you think you can make it? So what you're saying is, 
you think you could make a better Frankenstein? I think I can make a better Frankenstein now. Like, I don't need to be as old as Walsh was. I am ready to take that bet. Build a Frankenstein and we'll review it. Yeah, live on this podcast. Every week you can give us updates about your Frankenstein building. About, you know, which patients you've taken what from. <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. You don't have the spine to do this? All right. I'll, I'll let it rest. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I don't have a strong motivation personally to build a monster. Like, um, that, one's, that one's interesting. Like, I don't. I guess no one does really. <laughs> like I'm not trying to undercover the secrets of life. Where does life come from? So right. my motivation of like wanting to be God and stuff is a little bit off. You know, the super soldier one is like a job, right? So it's like, uh, clock in, clock out, make the super soldier. <laughs> but I, I, I do like the motivation of making it for someone like, Oh, this person is undead and this is an undead thing for them. And like that, that actually clicks to make sense. It is stupid logic, but, uh, I, that 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 personal reason works for me. We need a longer film that uh, take goes into depth on the materials in season two, episode two. There's a lot there. And yeah, and there's a number of Bride of Frankenstein movies or people trying to are. oh yeah Frankenstein's to love like Frankenstein created woman or Frankenhooker, um, both of which I think I've recommended on this podcast before. Uh, so let's uh, move on to uh, recommendations and predictions. Recommendations. Um, so I recommended uh, Day of the Dead because that uh, Romero zombie movie takes place after the zombie apocalypse. So it's about the only survivors really that we see are the military guys who are already kind of prepared for it. And they're at that. They're not at the reaction, like, ah, panic stage anymore. They're at the, like, now we're doing research. Now we're doing experiments on zombies. Now we're living in this underground lab. That's very much like the initiative and like trying to plan our next moves. Um, so I was thinking about that and I've never actually recommended day of the dead before. I think I must've been saving it for this episode. Um, I also, uh, so I'm not, I'm not going too deep into, <laughs> into like obscure movies this week. Um, I'm also going to recommend Predator because after seeing how bad the <laughs> commandos are, you want to see some good commandos fighting monsters, really know what they're doing and have huge muscles, watch Predator. Uh, and there's a new Predator movie out uh, in theaters now. So, I mean, if you haven't seen the original with Schwarzenegger and um, Apollo Creed, uh, Carl Weathers, uh, you should. Uh, and then we also added Private Benjamin, which is Buffy's recommendation for the week. Um, and uh, Travis's recommendation is Feds. Um, and this, I'm not going to recommend it because it's not super connected, but this episode had did like two different like uh, uh, homages to Alien. They had the like, it's coming right at us. It's on the like screen, but we can't see it. Oh, it's in the vents. And it had somebody say like, he's an expert in xenomorphic language or something like that. But it was like a alien reference. Virgin predictions. All right. Uh, so John is not here for predictions, um, 
But uh, Mike, I think you still got new ones. I just have one prediction, and that is Walsh's body will be incorporated into a monster. <laughs> cool, cool. That is all. Uh, I don't know if it will fight the Adam monster or not, but I think her body needs to be incorporated into something. Or maybe be added to the Adam monster. Be like. It could be. I think it's unlikely that the Adam monster will have the wherewithal to figure that out, but I could see other people being like, we can make a monster to fight it. And then using Walsh. Cool. I like that. All right, let's move on to themes. Deep stuff. Uh, so I just said Buffy and authority. Buffy's reaction to authority. Uh, it's kind of a constant theme throughout this show. Uh, and it was heavily focused on this week. Yeah, you're uh, absolutely right. Yeah, it's totally like a guiding principle for this episode for like for everything that happens. It's great. Yeah, it's always it's it's one of Buffy's more charming or more like appealing characteristic traits is that she's always going to like butt up against authority, right? It's crazy though that authority is just like lacks any self-reflection or thoughtfulness about its actions. Just like, you know, just the basic questioning is enough to like fucking unhinge it. Just <laughs> yeah, like, apparently. what's that? Why are we doing it? Like, ah, we need her dead. Like, <laughs> She made Riley look in a window. <laughs> it's like Maggie Walsh is sleeping on a bed and Buffy like puts like one pee underneath the mattress and all of a sudden Maggie Walsh can't sleep for you know a thousand nights that's a perfect metaphor it's absolutely that it's so small that's what makes me I think you know I think it makes me nervous about dealing with the police in any encounter is it always I feel like if I ask a single question I'm going to overturn my fucking life in some way so it's just like this blind obedience to authority. I mean, that's that's a part of the American experience for sure, totally. right? Yeah. Like you were in that TSA line there, you know, you don't even ask like, why are we doing this? Well, you know, of course not. Dude, I had a weird reaction at the deli the other day where I was like opening up the fridge to get a drink and a cop walk in and I immediately just shut the fridge like I was like doing something wrong. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> this is such a dumb reaction. Yeah. And I'm like one of the most privileged members of society, a white man. Like the cop's not going to harass me about taking a drink from the fridge. Yeah, that's that would be a separate YouTube channel of people acting like idiots when cops are around. Yeah. Like forgetting basic things, how to make the car go and shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your heart rate starts going and then you're like, how do I drive again? What's the least suspicious way to drive? I was even playing this video game Mafia 3 and it's like, you have this cop meter that goes up. Like anytime cops are anywhere around, these blue arrows go off to like warn you. And it's just like, I'm like, Jesus, is this, this is how I live anyway. <laughs> Why can't I have this meter in my real life? I mean, I've, I've turned into empty parking lots because a cop car was near me. Right. Just like I can't deal with this person being behind me. Yeah. I want the cop to drive past. Yeah. I've definitely done that. So balls, balls in Buffy's court about just like, asking anything about authority but then also being inducted into it and like this self-questioning authority just doesn't work at all and it's it's funny how quickly that cracks yeah so fast yeah she's in the initiative for less than an episode (laughs) she basically brings them down yeah she would last like three three minutes in trump's white house 
why are we doing this? Like, who is this person? No one's had to question the king. Uh, Trev? Yeah, um, I don't think we know the full answers, but definitely is bringing up like this idea that was touted in the 1980s and even before then, like in the US with like MK Ultra, like super soldiers, like governments have wanted super soldiers for so long. This is kind of like this weird military, super, this like supernatural military industrial complex. Um, and they're like kind of just mixing up like a ton of metaphors. But one thing that I don't think they talk about enough is kind of like Buffy, Buffy and the Scooby gang, also, I think this is this an episode where they, they said core. Did they say core Scooby Gang earlier in the episode? Yeah. So like they're self-referential and they call it Scooby Gang. Um, and uh, I think that like they they it's not that they suppress the truth about like the supernatural. Well, at times they think they do. They just don't really tell anyone because I feel like they it would get them in more trouble. But like it seems that this group is like definitely trying to suppress like the supernatural and, and bend it to their will without really like, um, like acknowledging that it exists, which could defeat, which could peacefully diffuse a lot of situations. So to me, my like modern take on this is like, is more of a, a suppression of the truth or suppression of the reality to like the civilian population, to the detriment of the civilian population. That's kind of my like, my modern take. I don't think they're quite going for that with this, but um, I would love to have seen that explored more. And, yeah. Like, and like the Scooby can get into like almost kind of like a journalistic vibe where like they're, they're like trying to like get the truth out. And, and, and of course, you know, the X-Files, the truth is out there or something. I can't remember the exact X-Files quote, right? I think you got it. Yeah. Okay. So but like related to the super soldier stuff, uh, you know, you mentioned MK Ultra, which is really in, and maybe it's about super soldiers, but I recall that's really about mind control. Like what did you, what did you think about the mind control aspect of the military supernatural well, complex. If you could control someone's mind, that's like a better soldier. Like they're not like, like if I could control someone, that would make me a super soldier and better to control the other soldiers. Like that's how I think about it as a super soldier concept. Like they would make, if you could be easily controlled, you would be a better soldier for the military. Any military, really. I mean, I think there's definitely mind control going on. Or I think that's what the vitamins are, to be honest. Um, it could just be regular steroids as well, but I think the more interesting one, more interesting take would have been that it was mind control. And uh, so that's where I'm kind of going. But there's, yeah, but there's more episodes to see what. Yeah, 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 you don't have to make that. But I'm just saying like, uh, to me, it seems it would have been, I think now in modern times, 2018, of course, you know, this idea that um, like revealing the truth is like this obsession of this of our society now whether or not it's like um edward snowden or, or you know there's you can think of 20 different ways where the we feel like we don't have the truth um and that would have been really cool for them to have explored like the supernatural um but that's my take that's my modern take what i would have liked to have seen it turned up more all right and there's still more episodes to go so, uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think that's our episode. Um, yeah, we ended kind of early this week. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, listening. Uh, I've been your host, Dennis St. John, D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X on Twitter, 
and that's my dot com. Uh, and you can find Buffy uh, Virgin wherever you can find your podcasts. We're BuffyVirgin.com. We're on Facebook, uh, and we'll check it more often. Uh, we're on uh, Twitter. We're Buffy Virgin Pod. Instagram is Buffy Virgin. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you in hell. <laughs>